0: Hey, this is Dylan at Radio Free Sufferlandria, and you're listening to Everybody Hurts, the podcast. Coming to you from the Nine Hammers Tavern in beautiful Agonia, Sufferlandria. Today's episode, cold-blooded. If you spend any time at all in Sufferlandria, you probably know the name Mike Cotty. He's an endurance cyclist, a hard man extraordinaire, uh, all-around badass. And in addition to having an impressive palmares in cyclocross and cross-country mountain biking, he's also completed some truly insane rides. Um, He did a nonstop ride across the Pyrenees, which was 684k nonstop in under 31 hours. And then he also did a 677k ride through the Alps. And that was like 16,000 meters of elevation and change nonstop 33 hours. And most recently in 2014, the road to Mont Blanc nonstop over a thousand K, 21,000 meters of elevation, 53 hours and 38 minutes. He's also the man behind the Coal Collective, inspiring and educating cyclists while riding some of the most beautiful climbs in the world. And if you spent any time in Sufferlandria, you could probably draw his butt from memory, though you might not have realized it was him, because Mike and the crew provide a lot of the footage for the descents that you're treated to during those all-too-brief uh, rest periods in some of the Sufferfest videos, you know, those fleeting moments between the full-on kind of eye-bleeding efforts. So that's Mike. You're following down those most iconic climbs in Europe, and he's also the affable cow-cuddling tour guide in to get to the other side and uh, the way out. Mike, thanks a lot for being with us today.
1: Thanks for the, uh, the charming intro. <laughs> and uh, before
0: we get to the interview, Mike, um, I need you to settle a bet. Uh, so do you have any chairs at your house? Do you have a- anywhere to sit down at all or do you just just stand? Just standing
1: only, yes.
0: For those of you not familiar with, uh, with Mike, he has a very, how, how do we say, distinctive uh, climbing style. Uh, one that could probably be described as yeah kind of a stand and deliver kind of style so is that something that you consciously developed or was it just a natural oh this feels right kind of thing
1: I I get I I do get asked um and I get tons of different comments and you know the guy never sits down and I mean it's it's just it's all in jest but yeah it was just what felt comfortable Mm -hmm. and it was just over the years and that I mean I I try and sort of dispel that that experience that I have on people and sort of say look at the end of the day it doesn't matter how you get to the top of a mountain or the end of whatever you're aiming for you've got to be comfortable doing it so yeah, it was just personal uh, I never really trained it just felt comfortable being out the saddle a lot and yeah it worked for me and you know if it works for someone else that's great if if someone else spends you know 90% of the time in the saddle then that's great as well so you know it's uh it's being on the bike which is the main thing
0: so you've obviously done some some truly epic uh, rides. I talked about the, um, the the Mont Blanc and the Pyrenees and the, and the Alps ride. Um, and what was it that that it originally got you interested in doing these these massive kind of nonstop endurance rides in the first place?
1: My my sort of evolution really was. Um, I, I lived abroad for a few years when I was younger, and um, I was working for Cannondale at the time. And and every weekend was just it was just a mecca for pulling the maps out and just. You know, plotting a route and thinking I was just writing uh, villages down on my stem and sticking a big piece of paper on the top tube and just ticking these villages off, and and I would set myself these challenges of like, could I make it to the next water fountain? And it was just, you know, it was just a challenge. I was playing with myself really. It was, it was as much sort of mental as it was physical. Could I make it? And then you you craving a drink, and I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to make it to that water stop, and. And uh, and get on your way again. And and it was this slow process over the years of just really feeling like there's a real challenge in there. There's more than signing on the dotted line and and entering a race and putting a number on. I was just on my own. I was just riding along. And I I came back thinking, that was cool. That was a really fun day. and, And I wonder what I can achieve. And, um, and that eventually led to a, a 2011 challenge where, um, I just had this, this harebrained idea that I thought, well, this the Pyrenees is every time I've, I've been to the Pyrenees, it was just super quiet and it was kind of a forgotten mountain range. And, uh, and then you've got the Atlantic on one side, and then you've got the the Mediterranean on the on, on the east, and, and about sort of 600k ish, 400 miles or something like that in between. And and I just saw these two bits of water, and, and got the map out, and just said, God, there's an amazing route. And I just said to myself, God, wouldn't it be cool to just literally get on your bike in the morning and just keep riding until you get, you know, until you're, you're paddling in the Mediterranean. I think there was like 11 mountains uh, across the Pyrenees which I mapped, and it had things like the Tourmalet and, and uh, we went over the Abyss, we crossed uh, the, the Aspan and Aspet and, and just all these just iconic climbs really and I just thought I wonder if you can, I wonder if I can do this and, and that was the challenge, it wasn't can you win, what's the prize money, um, once once someone's done something it's really like well I can go and do that, yeah, yeah, The the the, the trail has been sort of laid down and the path is is kind of manageable but when you try and when you just put something together yourself and you just think well I'm not too sure if my mind and my body can do this but so that was the excitement that's that's really the thing that that really drives me on and and it was just an incredible experience so you know it was as I say slow evolution bit by bit led to led to bigger things and and trying to break down those barriers into into a mindset that, you you know, you really believe that you can do something, and, and until you try it, you don't really know.
0: Yeah, and I guess that kind of brings up the point is, like, uh, the first time you did a big epic endurance ride like that, was that a lot different from subsequent times? Because it seems like, if this is the first time you put yourself in that position, where you pushed yourself to those limits, you don't really know if you can do it. And after you've done something like that, like after your Pyrenees ride, do you think that, the say, the Alps or Mont Blanc, was it easier was there that voice in the back of your head that kind of said you know you can do this you know you've done you've done this before and not to say that that you weren't pushing yourself harder because obviously mont blanc that was what 50 something hours so it's, it's not like you would you would really done that before but there must have been a little bit of, a, of, of like a, a difference in, in self-confidence
1: yeah um so the, the quick answer to that is yes and no it definitely gave me this uh, extra confidence so when i finished the pyreneum ride that led to that Alpine ride, so the following year, uh, actually it was, it was a year after, so 2013, um, and I thought, well, let's see if we can do something similar, but a little bit more aggressive, um, the Alps a little bit higher, um, about the same distance, but just with, with some extra climbing, and I was super, I felt super, super confident for that, and it's it's a strange thing because Confidence really comes in waves. That you can wake up one day and you really feel on it, and then you can wake up another day and you're, and suddenly your brain is just working against you. And but for the most part, the Alps, I was just so up for it. I just really, I never envisaged um, not making that ride. Um, and I went into it. I trained well, and I went into it. Had a um, new support. I started working more closely with Mavic at the time, and they they really liked the concept of this sort of exploration. Having their support, you know, I felt a little bit of. Ex- Extra pressure but I just I just felt so good about doing it and so confident I loved the route I went and recon the route and that was a challenge where I just couldn't see myself not making it to the end down to uh, down to Nice then you roll forward another year and, and road to Mont Blanc um, I just I'd finished those two challenges, two personal challenges, and I just thought, you know, because I'd finished them and I was, I was still standing, and and, and you know, the closest people around me were still like, well, oh, you're still standing. This there's there's more in there," and I'm like, "Well, believe me, it's it's hurt a lot." Um, mm-hmm. Uh, But where can we go from here? So I mapped out that the 1,000k um, route, it started off in Conigliano just outside Venice, ended up uh, going across the the Dolomites, the Italian Alps, the Swiss Alps, and finishing up in um, Mont Blanc, so in Chamonix. And it was just huge. I mean, it was way bigger, miles more climbing, more valleys, more more um, areas just to sort of strip you back to your core. Uh, unfortunately, the weather at the beginning, actually for, for, for a lot of it uh, on the first half was just terrible. Uh, thunder and lightning, tons of rain, which I'm you know, I'm not good in the rain. My body shuts down pretty quick. It gets super cold, and I really struggle in those conditions. Um, but just the mindset of that ride... Going from the Alps where I really felt, I'm going to do this, no matter what happens, I'm going to do this, um, come hell or high water, it's going to happen. Whereas the Road to Mont Blanc, it was so far beyond my comfort zone, this was a 1000 k, so I knew that I was going to have to ride two nights non-stop. Uh, two nights in the, just, just try and stay awake for two days and two nights. And I knew that I had to go through a two-night block. Um, Because just the distance is so far and I had, there's no way to train that. It was just a massive step into the unknown. I had absolutely no clue. I was petrified, petrified by the challenge. Even so I'd said it myself and, you know, I should be excited. It was like, I don't know how this is going to end. But, and then, you know, as I say, to make matters worse, the, the weather was was pretty nasty, um, added a, an extra element to it, but um, but it was the single most ride that, that just taught me you know, everything about suffering, really.
0: What kind of allowed you to, to, to push through that? Because I think for a lot of people, they could kind of put themselves in that position, whether you're going two days without sleep or you're just trying to make it up the local climb if you're not that fit. I mean, that, that level of suffering is all kind of relative, but what, what is it that allows you to, to push through to get to the other side for me personally
1: it's it's all mental it's just a complete mental battle and uh you know what got me through was the fact that i just wanted it so badly like there was just i didn't know how it was going to end i didn't know if my body was going to shut down i didn't know mentally if i was going to crack but when i even when i was in that situation there was never a time when i thought i'm not going to carry on going my legs are still turning i'm still breathing i'm still I'm still moving i'm still alive and that for me that was like i'm still making progress so you know i got to the finish and it was like i can carry on to get you there is all mental you can't you can't get you i can't get myself there just by pushing hard on the pedals i have to get there mentally you find these these ways of, of unlocking potential that you never even knew existed and, and that was the that's the purity of the road to mont blanc it was you know a thousand k non-stop and and over two days on the bike and you know yeah god knows how I actually did it Um, mentally it was just like let's just keep going so focused and then yeah you break break it down bit by bit and and eventually the world opens up and and I found myself in this in this place where I just it's almost like you can do no wrong and that's just that's what that's what that's why I want to do these things that's what keeps me going
0: yeah I think that's the daunting uh part of it for a lot of people I mean in a past life you were an engineer right yeah sure so you know from, from physics that, you know, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. And I think for a lot of people, that first step is is kind of a, the crux that's the hardest. So, I mean, how do you overcome that, that tendency to just kind of stay where you are to keep just kind of plodding along doing what you're doing? I mean, even if that you're not challenged or you're not particularly happy, I think for a lot of people, it's they see that, that road ahead, I mean, as their own kind of personal Mont Blanc or Mount Sufferlandry, it just seems so massive, so so daunting that they don't, kind of know how to take that that first step
1: i think the the most important thing is um you've got your your dream and your goal um and that's the that's the kind of that's the area that you you stick it on the fridge door or you stick it in the office so that it reminds you every day um but then to get there you don't focus on that end goal i certainly don't i i just i'll i'll look at the the real sort of fundamentals of what it's going to take to get there and that starts off with Yeah, the basic training for, for, for the big challenges, uh, road to Mont Blanc being the biggest, I I didn't ride anywhere near two days. (laughs) I was riding, you know, just, just big endurance rides and big blocks of training, but it was the consistency and it was, it was building a training plan and building a, a, a sort of realistic schedule that, that actually fits your lifestyle as well, building that to give you the, the sort of conditioning that, eventually you're going to use to try and get through the big challenge but it's actually attainable in everyday life so making the first step's the hardest thing it's 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 getting out of bed and it's it's sort of saying to yourself yeah i've got this huge goal but but you don't want to be daunted by by trying to push yourself um and i think it's the first step is just trying to overcome that that initial hurdle be positive um believe really in 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 what you can do and and sounds crazy but you know it is literally one step at a time one training session at a time and just build up bit by bit as i say the mental aspect is at minimum 50 percent on any of those challenges i've done absolute minimum and maybe even more you know if you've got the right mindset that's gonna that's gonna push you so much further
0: what do you think it is about about self-imposed adversity that that is so transformative
1: i mean I, i just love the challenge i just love that feeling of like you know, it can't be done, or it shouldn't be done, or it's a bit crazy, or it's not. It's all calculated. It's not. I don't just wake up in the morning and just. Oh, I'm just going to go and ride a thousand K. Yeah, whatever. Before breakfast, yeah, there's a plan and, and there's training, and you know. But it's the it's that adversity that makes it gives me so much adrenaline and motivation because you know it's about being outdoors, it's about being free, it's about being you know at one with with the world again and nature because you know, at the end of the day, when I was a uh, Rhodes Mont Blanc, I mean, the conditions were bad. You're, you're fighting much more than, you know, problems that you face in everyday life. You know, you're, 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 you're basically facing the elements um, and they're a lot more powerful than you are. So that type of experience, it just really just makes me feel alive again. Um, and I think that's probably an accumulation of just the fact that our world's changing and we're all looking, I'm, I'm looking just to how I can get back to nature, how I can um, explore the outdoors and, and push my limits in my own way. It all comes down to just seeking adventure, seeking exploration and, and trying, to, trying to get back to my roots, I guess, as a, as a human. You know, for me, that that's what this exploration is about. For someone else, it could be something completely different. But you know, I think the actual fundamentals are the same. You've got to find that that real passion that you've got and that motivation, and then you know, let your heart and mind take over from there.
0: So, what do you think is like the biggest takeaway from uh, all the suffering that you've you've endured? Is there one kind of big realization or one takeaway that you can kind of identify?
1: I think my my big takeaway is every single time I'm I'm faced with adversity. I just remember what I faced on the mountains and, and it really helps me out. It, it helps to put me back in the moment. It helps to give me some perspective. Um, so it's, it really has taught me to sort of take a deep breath, look at things with clarity when everything feels like, you know, the doors have fallen off. You might not be in a mountain, but, you know, you can get through these, these hard moments of adversity in everyday life. Actually knowing and having the confidence that you can do a lot more than, than you think, you potentially can as a human. I would advocate to anyone who's got that, that, that feeling inside that there's more to what they're doing, just you have to get on and, and try. You just have to make those first steps and, and you'll see that your life will change a lot and, and it'll be enriched for it. So exploration and, and just finding those limits and boundaries in your own way, um, for me, it's the, uh, it's, the, it's the meaning of life and existence.
0: Well, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and Chad, is there anything on the horizon for you and the Coal Collective that you're particularly excited about? Things we should uh, watch out for?
1: Yeah, we've we've got some exciting plans actually for uh, starting off the next year um, of our own developing the Coal Collective, and I mean it, it fits into this podcast quite nicely. It's about sort of adversity and taking steps beyond uh, beyond the comfort zone. So we're we're in the process of trying to sort of relocate into Europe, closer to the mountains, uh, closer to. Really what makes us tick. And we're trying to put the pieces in place to, to take that, that life life step forward. It's it's daunting. Daunting as hell, I tell you, because if I don't try, I'm never going to know. So we're going to give it a go and maybe we can uh, offer some some cool stuff to the Cold Collective and even the Sufferfest fans in the future. So um, work in progress. Really excited and watch this space. Real quick
0: before we go, uh, do you have a favorite Sufferfest video? And you can say the way out or to get to the other side. You know, I won't judge you for it.
1: Uh, I, I do actually really enjoy those videos because it's just the serenity of the mountains but with some suffering because ultimately you can't float up mountains. Um, so actually I think that both of those you've done an amazing job with it. You can actually sort of spice them up a bit and, and you know crank the uh, uh, the perceived exertion and put the exertion up just a touch and, and make it even harder workout. work out. But revolver's a killer. That's an absolute killer. It should be so simple on paper. But it's not, you know. Any any weakness that you might have, the sufferfest are going to exploit it.
0: That <laughs> there's a purity of suffering to, to revolver for sure.
1: It's so simple, and it's but it's just so painful at the same time. And after a couple of minutes, you're thinking, Oh, I've got this dialed, no problem." And by half an hour at the end, you're like, "No, nah, it's completely destroyed me." So um, that's a yeah, that's a regular session. I love that one.
0: Mike Cotty, head of the Coal Collective, endurance athlete, all-around badass friend of the Sufferfest. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks very much. Mike Cotty, you can follow him at MikeCotty, C-O-T-T-Y dot dot U-K. Also follow his exploits at the Coal Collective, that's C-O-L Collective Thank you for listening to Everybody Hurts the Podcast. This is Dylan coming from Radio Free Sufferlandre at the Nine Hammers Tavern in Agonia, Today's episode brought to you by Crazy Grunters Gently Abused Trainer Emporium. Crazy Grunters, where the prices are so low, it's painful. On behalf of all of us at the Sufferfest, until next time, happy suffering. Have you suffered today? More than you.